0: This is quickly becoming, I think, one of my favorite series of this podcast. Welcome to a new Buzz edition of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am
1: Fran Chismar. Yeah, and I'm Tom Kinesic, And Fran, this is episode 26. As long as we don't delay. It's episode 26. Do you ever think we'd make it this far? No.
0: You know what? I I didn't think we would get 26 episodes in this quickly, actually. I thought at this point we'd probably be like, or 15 but 20, 26 is not
1: Yeah. So, I'm glad we originally we were thinking maybe we would do once a month and I'm glad we didn't cuz there's if we only did once a month we would barely cover we would never get this compared done compared to yeah, it would take us years and years and years to to get through just our first list of guests let I, alone everyone else we wanted to add so.
0: I think it's funny that every time we we think we're too busy to keep going every week. Yeah. We find a way to do every week, yeah. <laughs> you know. And this, plus yeah. it, but you know, honestly, it's it's hard to prepare for a guest every week. Mm-hmm. But to do something like this in between is mm-hmm. is definitely enjoyable, and
1: it's it's easy to fit. Yeah, in. yeah. It's really you were saying it's become one of your favorite parts. Yeah. It's become one of mine too because with the guests. And nothing against the guests. They're, the guests are great because yeah. it really activates a whole different part of your brain. It does. But this allows us to kind of riff off some of the things that we talk about in the office, some of the things that we're passionate about that otherwise maybe we don't get to bring up with the guests. We get to be more loose. Yeah. You know, And it's oh,
0: yeah. fun when we have guests that we know very well and those podcasts are loose to begin with. But this is more like how we are in the office, mm-hmm. which isn't pretty serious yeah. for, <laughs> yeah. for the most part. You know, and it's and it's it's a lot of fun. It just mm-hmm. gets to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Not that the other ones aren't. It's just a different vibe, totally. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. But one of the things we talked about was keeping these a little bit shorter than our normal episodes. And then last <laughs> week's ended up being a little longer than we <laughs> intended. Still not as long as a normal episode, but a little bit, a little bit, a little bit longer. So uh,
0: I have a feeling that's going to yeah. happen from time. to oh, time. Oh yeah.
1: But anyway, we should probably kick right into things because I know we have a list of things we want to get through we, today. We, some new ideas we've came up with. So yeah, definitely. So, why don't we start off with one of my favorite segments?
2: It's top. <laughs>
1: and, and Fran, I'm going to let you go
0: first. All right. You, you know, I um, my selection today is a little bit different. And it's not something I noticed while walking through our nursery, it was something I noticed while walking through a friend of ours' nursery. So I was visiting our friends and listeners, uh, Daryl and Carrie over at Sunset Farmstead. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was buying some natives from them that we don't grow. I was getting some uh, Eucara and Tiarella. And when I pulled up, they had an order pulled for someone else. And it was Amsonia Hubrecchii, blue mm-hmm. star. And uh, I know that's not native here in New Jersey. It is a native plant, just not here. But, man, I love that plant. It yeah. was in its full fall glory, that, like, flaming like yellow, orange, mm-hmm. fall color. Um, if you're not familiar with that plant, it's got a very soft, fern-like foliage, mm-hmm. and it's one of those plants where every time you walk by, you kind of have to rub your hand yeah. through it. It does flower in the spring, and it's a pretty flower, but to me, it's it's more of a texture plant, and it's just got a great foliage, and that fall color is just...
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really a three-season plant. It is. It's, it it is. looks good for three seasons if you're a real plant nerd, probably four seasons of the year, yeah. It's it always has something of interest going on. It's not, um. it doesn't just flower and go away and, like some other stuff.
0: And to me, does. it's good if you have one, but it's great in a mass too. Like if you uh, edged something out with that, it's so striking. You can't mm. help but to notice it as soon as you see it when yeah. it's in fall color. Yeah, and so. I,
1: I actually picked some up a couple of years ago from uh, Clemenson Nursery um, at the... New Jersey Native Plant Society's plant sale oh. that used to be at Ratton Valley Community College mm-hmm. during the whole conference. This year, they did it. Uh, we actually have a remote one that is s- well, this Saturday, but yeah. um, <laughs> last Saturday, <laughs> if you're listening to this, <laughs> so you're too late. But um, but I So a couple years ago, I picked some up. I got late to planning it. The first year, it really didn't do much. And then this year I was like, man, it's they're getting bigger, but they haven't gotten that big. And then I looked the other day; they're huge. Yeah. But they aren't in fall color yet, which I was surprised. Oh, interesting. So I was—that well, was one of the things I was really waiting for. Is the but I'm I'm actually a little happy about that because I have the asters blooming, I have goldenrods blooming, and that will at least give a little bit more length of life to the garden when it turns yellow. Um, but
0: that makes sense, you but, know. For for our listeners that don't know, plants in a nursery setting go dormant earlier than in their natural setting so if you're growing something in a container um it cycles a little bit off uh so it makes sense that it's blooming Mm -hmm. or it's in fall fall color for them now or when i when i went there a week and a half ago Mm -hmm. um as opposed to naturally like we have things like our emergence go dormant probably a month earlier than how they Mm do uh in nature so when that shows up at the end of that man you're that's gonna with all those other things yeah yeah. it's going to just give
1: that garden a little bit of life i've been learning as i'm going with the gardening aspect of it where um there's i've found there's a lot of holes in my planting plan Mm -hmm. oh man june and july and early august are awesome but then i have a big gap from like early august to early september where there's not a lot going on it just kind of looks a little bit weedy to the untrained eye um and then another thing that happened this year—I'm getting off topic already. That's said, right. Said short episode, <laughs> but here I go talking <laughs> about my personal garden and stuff. Stuff that happened back in July um, was uh, I had Rubecia triloba. Oh, I just yeah. I didn't plan it. We I don't know where it, it came from.
0: We grew it at one point. That's
1: what I'm guessing because what I would, how I garden. But, but, I have the luxury of gardening this way. Is we have some stuff at the end of the year that's left over, and I'll just kind of say, "Oh, there's." 15 plugs of this. I'll go and take it and <laughs> just throw it in the garden someplace. Wow. So I think that's what I'm guessing is we grew it at some point in the last couple of years. I pulled some out and put it in there, and it was just a plant or two. And now it's it took over this one whole side of the garden, and it looked awesome, but I didn't. it just reseeded I, itself there. I didn't put it there.
0: I don't know if we've grown it. It's been like eight years, oh, probably. I don't yeah. Know where I got we it
1: contract then. grew it for a project
0: that was coming up. And um after that project, we had a little bit and we kind of worked through it and, and mm-hmm. we didn't continue to grow it. But it's been a while. But where it was being grown isn't
1: that far from where your house is. Okay. Well, maybe that's <laughs> so I'm wondering yeah. if that's how it, maybe it just volunteered <laughs> yeah. in. Yep. Yeah. But my selection, and there's so many really good selections right now. Yeah just because of everything going into fall color, I r- almost went with, with red maple just because it's awesome yeah, right now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But it's too easy. It's, I had to go everywhere. something a little bit, little bit different. Though. All right. And that was uh, Staghorn Sumac. Yeah. One, because of the color, which is actually the one we have around our pond, is starting to fade a little bit. It's not in that peak mm-hmm. like it was probably a week or two ago. But um, more because – and someone write in and correct me if I'm wrong – but there's a, a cooking spice that's become increasingly popular called sumac, which is actually the berries of the oh, sumac plants. I didn't know that. Which you can grind up. And um, I'm looking forward to trying that. So if if it turns out I'm wrong, someone write in and tell me, Hey, you can't actually do that. But the the limited research I've done yeah. on it, that is something you can make out of it. Yeah, don't don't ask me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I I
0: once uh, Guided your your father into telling him something was edible, and it turned out not to be edible. After, <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's edible because I know you can make um, it was actually uh, like a lemonade type thing. Okay. Obviously not lemonade you're not making it yeah. with lemons, but yeah. you can kind of steep uh, the the berries of the staghorn sumac in water, and it becomes. I guess it tastes kind of lemonadey, and it has like a pink lemonadeish color. I would like, and I've heard it. it's really good. I've been I mean, try that for like five years now, and I just I always forget. Yeah,
0: that's a great choice. We have a a stand of it around our pond, which which is a certified um, wildlife habitat. And this time of year, we actually did our company photos in front of that one year uh, when it was in full fall color and and the berries were there. It was was phenomenal. So great choice. Yeah, and
1: um, I just did a little Google research, and it says the, the Spice Sumac is from the Middle East. Oh, but okay. the staghorn sumac really resembles that uh that tangy lemony um, uh, spice. So I'm heart. I might still try it. Yeah. I'm I'm curious when it comes to that stuff. So
0: know your sumacs before you try this. <laughs> yeah. Remember, there is poison sumac, yeah. <laughs> which has a white berry. So that one's st- and it's more wetlands where where a lot of like the smooth sumac and. Saghorn and winged are all upland species. I mm-hmm. believe the poison sumac is a wetland species and yeah. has a white berry yeah. as opposed to red. So um great choice. Great choices yeah. today. So yeah, I you thought, too. Thank you. So we we have this you know, we we started off with an old favorite, but the rest of this episode is is kind of all new segments. Mm-hmm. But before we start, we we actually got listener questions on our uh question right. and comment line. and we're We gonna had to answer, give them a little incentive. We but. we did. We we offered through our if you're not a member of the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, we offered uh, native seed packets to the first five people to call in. So we had a lot of great questions written in, but that didn't qualify. You had to call in. So we, we we're making you work for these. Yes. It's- so we we had three people uh, call in. But before we do that, um, I wanted to follow up on the last episode of the Buzz where we uh, talked about helpful websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, through the Facebook group, we had a lot of great interaction and suggestions from our listeners. So mm-hmm. I thought we could go over some of those. Yeah, cool. Uh, what do you think? Yeah? Yeah, perfect. Okay. So uh, Deborah Rosenthal uh, pointed out Prairie Nursery, which I believe they're located in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah.
1: And that's uh, Neil <clears> the <throat> Okay. who's a great speaker. If you haven't seen him and you see him on an itinerary, that's someone you He's definitely want to listen see. to. Um, gets a little bit philosophical with it. Which, which is, is which, which is, is good. Yeah, it's cool. Sometimes you don't always agree with it, but it's yeah. it's always good to get those opinions. I agree. So, as she, what she
0: liked about that website were the great descriptions and the color coded range maps. Yeah,
1: and if for those at home gardeners, sometimes like Prairie Nursery, Prairie Moon Nursery, you guys can buy from those, um, and they're great resources as well, especially if they have filtering options. But a lot of these industry websites, although you can't buy from them. Are really good resources yeah. to learn about plants because, and it's um, a lot of times they're they're collating a lot of information from a lot of these other sites, like the USDA site or the Bonapp site or, um, or some of these wildflower Labor sites, Johnson, yeah. and kind of putting it together in one spot. Um, so, yeah, feel free to, like, even our website. A lot of people I know use our website as a reference, even though they can't actually buy from Pylons Nursery. And
0: that's about to get better.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's in the website. works. Yeah. That's, hopefully, that's close.
0: hopefully before the end of the year. Yes. Uh, Skip Burns. Um, he listed a few. Actually, mm-hmm. um, IllinoisWildflowers.info, um, and he liked the descriptions on
1: those. Yeah, which is another one I forgot about that I've been on every once in a while. Not as much as the ladybird site or, or the USDA or Bonaps or um, the Missouri uh, Botanical Garden, but that was probably like that next one that comes up yeah. when you, you just Google search a plant.
0: I don't think I've ever been to that one, but someone else commented on his comment saying they used it as well mm-hmm. and they're, they're very happy. Um, the Native Plant Finder, which ranks a, plants...
1: And that's on the National Wildlife Foundation yeah, site. Yeah. yeah, so
0: it's um, it's funny. When you go to that, it doesn't actually reference that it's National Wildlife, but the the website is nwf.org backslash Native Plant Finder. Mm-hmm. Um, and That one will rank plants by how many Lepidoptera it hosts, Mm -hmm. so which is really very, very cool. And this one, I'm ashamed I didn't know, considering how close it is to us. Uh, I even just kayaked here. Um, www.cumaurysriver.org backslash botany, which is the Citizens United to Protect Maurice River for South Jersey residents. So Skip kind of threw that one in for people local in New Jersey, which... That was, I yeah, checked which, that one out. I
1: haven't been on that one, but I've, I'm sure it's a great resource for people in that area. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Rich McCoy chimed in. Uh, he was he and Skip were on that listener episode a couple yes. weeks back. Um, he liked to go on www.invasiveplantatlas.org org um, backslash index, uh, and that I guess is a great resource for you. You looked a lot of these up. Yeah, right? I, I didn't I, look at this one up. I did, but um, I'm assuming it's great. <laughs> place to look up for the invasive yeah which
0: i thought was interesting because we always talk about um native plants to use and we we gloss over we we do kind of gets thrown in there about invasives and dealing with invasives Mm -hmm. um but it's a great resource for helping to identify them and Mm -hmm. and learning to control them uh that other side and we did mention before we have coming on uh, in the month of november um, Mike Van Clef from mm-hmm. the Invasive Species Strike Team. So I we, we're agreeing that this is something important we need to talk about. Oh, yeah. Because uh, they kind of go hand in
1: hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you also had uh, EOL.org, which is the Encyclopedia of Life.
0: Which was awesome. Did you you didn't I, look at that one? I
1: didn't get a chance to look at a lot of,
0: a lot of these. So it's but... not just the plants. It's dealing with the wildlife also. Mm-hmm. So it's like a full range. So if you have any questions, it's a great resource just to look something up and get a quick answer. You looking it up? I'm looking it up right now.
1: (laughs) He said it's awesome. Oh, I have been on this website before. Yeah, this is this is really cool. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's a
0: great website. So, and then the last listener that weighed in was Darren Williams, and this, you know, we're skipped through on one for New Jersey. Darren's out in the Pacific Northwest. He threw out native plants pnw.com which is an encyclopedia of the cultural and natural history of the Northwest native plants which I thought was a really interesting I would love to have a resource like that
1: here for the Northeast yeah I'm sure someone has to have made something like that yeah that's another if you we will continue this if you on that group if you know of more websites that are really great resources that's a place for sharing we want people to share this these resources and, and share their knowledge um to make this whole community better. So yeah, Richard feel free Mc- to, if if you know of something like that for the Northeast, go ahead and share it. We'd love to see it. Yeah, and Richard McCoy actually uh followed up with more books too. Mm-hmm. So
0: that conversation is still going. That's a few episodes ago yeah. and yeah. it's kind of still being talked about. So again, if you're not if you're not a member of the Facebook group, maybe you don't do social media, that's cool too. But you should you should join um and just be a part of the conversation. Yep. Yep. Instead of just listening yeah. to us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Who who actually doesn't do social media? Except for Michelle de Blasio. Michelle de Blasio. Which is surprising that a, a 20-something-year-old is not, not on social media. On, so, yeah. Even at 31, there's social medias that have come... That I don't even know about <laughs> like TikTok. I don't know anything about TikTok. I'm not doing TikTok. Yeah. I'm too old yeah. for TikTok. I was telling my brother we should do a nursery TikTok, but I don't want anything to do with it. I don't just want just go it. and like talk about plants and I, put some music to it, do a little dance. Now
0: I and, have since watching The Social Dilemma, I've deleted Instagram. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't deactivate any of my accounts. I deleted the apps off my phone. But I haven't been on Instagram in a month. And Facebook I may check every couple days now i check the nursery one which to me is a little bit different because that's yeah work related yeah. but my personal account i've really limited i i i don't think i have and i i check linkedin linkedin like maybe mm-hmm. once a week
1: yeah personally i <clears throat> i have them all i found that i really don't i don't use them how they were intended to be used i yeah. guess like facebook <clears throat> the only reason i really go on facebook is because of all the the town politics we have going yeah. on right now there's we have like a, a township discussion group and there's just so much going on with our township politics um and that's really the only reason i go on and then i get tagged in pictures my wife puts up of, of <laughs> me and my son or my son doing something <laughs> cute that she doesn't even send me the video i just get tagged <laughs> i gotta a lot tell you of times. it's well, such a,
0: a a habit at this point um this past weekend my fiance and i did a try I, m- I mentioned in the last podcast we did train ride um up in uh northwest new jersey and a winery and you have these pictures and then you want to post them immediately you want to check in and post yeah, it yeah. and and i don't even have the apps on my yeah. phone anymore and i was like oh yeah well.
1: but yeah i i don't know i've never been one to like post stuff and like i don't like anything i've I just I observe. Yeah, I, really. I, the Twitter is my number one go to, and it's mostly that's my newspaper. Instead of getting a, a hard copy newspaper, I'll read the New York Times and and Wall Street Journal and every newspaper in a row. Twitter was that's, the one
0: I used the most, yeah. and it's I haven't been on Twitter in probably a month. Yeah, that's it's 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 funny how much extra time you have <laughs> when, yeah. when you stop. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, wow, look at this. Yep. What, what should I do? So it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, I think this has been good to strike a balance with it because mm-hmm. I don't realize, or you may not realize how much of a time
1: suck it is sometimes yeah. when you're just bored and yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to score. Although your up. phone tells you how much of a time suck it is. <laughs> it, now that I get a it report does. every Sunday that you, oh, you spent <laughs> however many hours on your phone. Oh, man, it That's makes good. me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. I'd turn that notification but, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, Anyway, Fran, it's time. We finally arrived. We got calls on the listener line. Play the jingle. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. and I want to have them answered immediately. It's
2: a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, listener quote, we've been waiting for this for over a month, and uh, we were n- happy that not only did we get questions there were some uh, familiar voices Mm -hmm. um, and great questions so why don't we kick into it how about we play the first first one
2: hi Fran and Tom this is Carolyn from Lawrence New Jersey and my question for you is do you have any recommendations of plants to germinate Uh, that would be really easy to get started I'm trying to grow some plants from seed in my backyard. And last year I bought some seed packets and had zero luck. So I would really love your recommendations on some species that I should try uh, to grow in my backyard. Thank you.
0: I think that is... My phone number is 201- Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, (laughs) (laughs) whoa, Got that that cut off. (laughs) I... I never heard that part of the message. Yeah. I would have, I would have <laughs> <laughs> taken care of that beforehand. Um, so that's a great question. Um, one thing when you're buying seed um, for anyone buying seed, that two of the things that you should be aware of if you're purchasing pure live seed or not, mm-hmm. um, because if you're not getting pure live seed, then you have to, you really need to look at the literature that comes with it of what the germination percentage is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that not all seed that you receive has been stratified already. Um, it may, I would
1: even say most of it most probably of it. has not because it's so hard to store once yeah. it's stratified. Yeah, you know, so, once you stratify it, it has a shelf life. Yes. So, it already has a shelf life unstratified, but you can, by providing it the proper conditions, you can stretch that shelf life out quite a bit.
0: Yeah, so it you know some of these things may need two cold seasons or or mm-hmm. a cold season and two warm seasons so even though you didn't have good success now that doesn't mean that the seed isn't still viable and may mm-hmm. still come up so just keep those in mind but I did talk to this isn't my knowledge I spoke with the propagator here at Pinelands Nursery about things that will come up with with little to no stratification that if you sow right away what they what they may be. So the first thing he mentioned was Rudbeckia Hirta, Black-eyed mm-hmm. Susan. Yeah. Said will come up in three days. You saw it. He said it should come up that quick. Um, that one may not be a very long-lasting plant in your in your garden or your meadow. Um, as long as it keeps receding itself, it's okay. But that's more of a, like a reseeding annual. Or reseeding yeah. annual. Yeah. Um, he said most monarda will come up pretty quickly, and for grasses, Panicum virgatum will mm-hmm. uh, will come up. Uh, he said uh, one of his little tricks was he said stratification will improve germination if you just store those seeds in a ziploc uh, with some sand in your refrigerator for a little bit mm-hmm. before you yep. before you seed it. And on the woody side, all uh, necessarylata, if you sow it ripe from the tree, um, if you let that seed dry out, then it will have to be stratified. But if if it's ripe and you take it and you you plant it right away, it should come right up. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So next. Two questions are pretty similar. You want to pay, play them back to back and then kind of approach them as yeah, a whole. Yeah, why not? You want to do that? Yes. All right. I'll make sure no one no one puts their phone number. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and and we did we did pass along the seat packets already to 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 uh, our first two callers. So, and if you didn't notice, if you didn't recognize the voice, Carolyn was uh, a previous guest of ours from the Sourland mm-hmm. Conservancy. So. Uh, go back and listen to that episode if if you haven't listened to that episode alright let me find number
2: two hi Fran and Tom this is Lori Cleveland calling from Hopewell, New Jersey I am planting a meadow in my backyard and I have a question Um, I have prepared this is actually my second attempt at a meadow Uh, my first attempt um, didn't work out as well So I'm preparing the site a little more carefully this time by laying down cardboard to kill anything that might come up that I'm not planting. And I'd like to put in a profusion of beautiful native meadow flowers. Um, It's kind of a dry site, and it's actually over top of my septic tank. So if you could please give me some advice about plants that I might choose to plant there that will be happy and healthy on top of a septic tank. And also, I would welcome any advice you have about site prep because now I understand how terribly important that is in the meadow process. Thanks.
0: All right, I'm going to play the next one too Mm -hmm. since they they're pretty close.
2: Hi, Brandon Tom. Um, This is Karen calling from Princeton, New Jersey. Um, I had a question about um, the best way or um, a plan to convert lawn to. Um, meadow and garden, uh, native gardens.
0: Um, thank you very much. Bye bye. All right. Now, I I am not good with site prep for this. Do you want to? You want Yeah, take I that? can.
1: Now, I always hate answering the site prep question. It's a tough one, especially on the homeowner scale. Um, it's a philosophical yeah yeah uh, issue, and um so there's a couple ways you can go about it but the two main keys are are you going to be able to establish seed to soil contact and the probably the bigger one is are you going to be able to suppress the existing uh, vegetative structure and whatever seed is in the seed bank uh, especially if that's not desirable seed if it's weed seed or invasive seed that's stuff that you need to get out if you don't suppress that in some way you're you're just not going to have success. Yeah. You might have some of the seeds you put in come up, um, but you're just not going to have enough to call it successful, and s- they're not really going to have a good chance to have, of establishing a meadow or mm-hmm. or, or a bigger um, pollinator habitat. Yeah. So there's a couple ways you can do that, and I think uh, Lori, Lori mentioned actually cardboard. mentioned putting yeah. down cardboard. So there's the first option, the um, – definitely harder option and uh and definitely more time consuming option but greener option i would say is you put down uh cardboard and you're actually smothering those weeds that are there um why i said it's time consuming is because this takes probably the better part of a year to do uh you're if you started in may you're putting down cardboard for a month you're pulling it off for a week or two letting what else is in the seed bank germinate putting it back down for another month pulling it back up yeah. let it germinate and you just keep doing that until nothing, nothing really germinates up, that yeah. means you've killed what's in the seed bank that can take a long long if you're saying giving a month and a half at a time and it's probably going to take at least three times you're looking at Six, almost six months right there. You know, we, more, yeah, yeah, at least almost six months
0: right there. And we've so, talked about that on previous podcast, like opening forest canopy so mm-hmm. that what's in the bank can come up. Yep. It's there, it's going to yeah. come up. You, you, and you figure there's, there could be, depending on where you're at, hundreds of years worth of yeah. oh, seed yeah. in that soil.
1: And uh, another similar option to that is using uh, something called solarization, where you're actually putting like a tarp or black plastic over yeah. it and it basically cooks what's in the the or the existing vegetation and what's in the soil but same thing you got to do it over and over now if you have a small site uh like in less than a few hundred square feet okay you can gather up enough plastic you're going to hardware stores and home depots and saying hey do you have any refrigerator boxes (laughs) because you need a lot of cardboard cardboard or a lot of plastic to do this um and then the work of actually putting it down pulling it up putting it back down again there's a lot that goes into and, it,
0: and we we posted in our group. There's play it's, uh, one of the municipalities right near us is actually doing pizza box recycling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you can go and get pizza boxes to put down mm-hmm. to do that.
1: Yeah, and and uh, another similar option I've actually heard with this is actually you just put the cardboard down, and then cover it with clean, weed-free soil, and then you can plant right on that. Okay, which the cardboard should biodegrade, um, and then you have a, a seed bed like that. But you still have some issues with weed seed being able to blow in. Yeah. Uh, option two, and this is why I don't like to answer this question, especially for homeowners, because there's so much in the news about um, a couple of chemicals that you would use for this, but it's putting down a, a selective herbicide or yeah. just any herbicide uh, to get rid of that yeah. that existing um, vegetation and, uh, and then doing that process every couple weeks to get rid of whatever germinates you're still going to have to do it two three four times to get rid of what's in that seed bank so but if you're using a herbicide it kind of shortens that window to every two weeks you're going to have to go back once you once you treat it two weeks you go back and do it again Uh, so if you have larger sites that's might be your only option there's no way you're going to be able to get enough cardboard or enough man at people or man hours yeah. to put down that cardboard, um, over and over. Like I said, if you had a acre to 10 acre site or bigger. Um, so that's why when you see some of these larger restoration problems or projects, you can, they do it as a tool. They're using stuff that when used properly is, uh, fairly safe. There's, there's little to no risk to the mm-hmm. environment if it's used properly. Um, that's, a, that's the that's the that's the key. You that's don't want to key. go drinking this stuff. Don't go out in your shorts and sandals on the weekend and just start spraying all over and let get all over you. It's similar how people wear a mask. You, you're minimizing risk. Yeah. That's the big thing is you yeah. want to minimize risk. You're doing it in hard shoes, long pants. If you're more comfortable wearing goggles, especially if the label says you should wear be wearing a respirator and goggles, glove, which most yeah. of the stuff that you'd use for right. this you wouldn't have yeah. to. But just you want to be careful if you go that route because you. You just want to minimize risk. Yeah, that's the big thing. But that's handling the existing vegetation. Um, you need to handle it in some way. Uh, and there's actually other options. Uh, the if you have some um, both both of the options I listed basically get rid of everything. The third option would be: say you have some desirable stuff coming up and you don't want to get rid of it because it kind of gives you a jump start. Well, then you you could only do this either by manually removing the mm-hmm. non-desirable plants or selectively going around with uh, with herbicide to get rid of the non-desirable plants yeah. and leaving the desirable plants. You, you know, mm-hmm. one
0: option I've seen is you go and get a sod cutter. Yeah, you know, rent yeah, one from Home Depot. Take a sod cutter. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, granted, you're going to lose some of that topsoil, mm-hmm. but you can take it up and then cover the bare area. Mm-hmm. Like, at, let, yeah. take it up, yeah. see what comes up in the seed bank, cover the bare area. It will save you some time. I, I think a rental for a, a sod cutter isn't that, yep. that pricey, yeah. so that's... And,
1: um, then, like you could just you could till it yeah. same concept. You're, well, you're how, how, opening how, up the soil.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you feel about what's what are your thoughts on disturbing the soil or just putting the seed down and raking over it?
1: I prefer. Now, I, I look at this with I don't have a lot of in field experience doing yeah. it, but I've talked to a lot of people that do, and they prefer doing no till methods. No-till. Yeah. you're if you're opening up the soil you're just exposing more seeds from that seed bank to the surface yeah. where if you if you're able to do it either by hand raking and yeah. just opening up little channels in the soil yeah. or if it's a larger project, you're using some kind of no-till drill um, obviously if you're a home homeowner you're probably not using a no-till drill to do this you're, it wouldn't make any sense it's just too big but um, you're just not opening as much of that seed bank up to make it able to germinate yeah and um so that's what i always lean towards it doesn't mean that you can't if you open up the soil that it's not gonna work and you're just opening up all this weed seeds you just have to know that you are opening up the soil to any weed seeds that blow Mm -hmm. in where if you're able to to kill off that existing vegetation do something that has a little bit of thatch on top and you're able to open it up and just create channels of (laughs) seed to soil contact any seed that doesn't blow in that channel is going to take longer to germinate and it's going to have less of an advantage. And you're giving your natives more of an advantage by doing that. Yeah.
0: Now, pro tip, most of these commercial sites, not <clears throat> humongous sites, but a lot of our customers that are seeding are using some kind of erosion control mat mm-hmm. over top to protect the seed and help it germinate. So if you have access to straw and you can yeah. cover the seed with mm-hmm. straw, it will help. That If, if you go to the erosion control mat, the one thing you have to be careful of, there are ver- there are a lot of products out there. So if you're if you're doing a wildflower seed, uh, herbaceous seed, as opposed to turf seed, um, you need to use straw uh, if you're going to use a matting, a straw matting. Uh, if you use or or something that's an open mesh, like a jute mm-hmm. mesh or or a core core mesh, if you use a core blanket, what will happen is the seed will germinate underneath, but that blanket is so dense that the, the mm-hmm the plants can't push through and they end up they'll germinate but then they'll die so Mm -hmm. you kind of have to stay with straw it's got to be something they can push through that will protect it from birds or 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 something like that uh from squirrels so that will help so straw will help uh or a straw matting uh Mm -hmm. is a good good suggestion
1: and i guess then the next step is as once you've seeded uh either by raking up Mm -hmm. uh, raking the existing surface um and then putting your seed down and you can even just hand broadcast yeah. it if you have a mix. If you have if you want stuff in particular places, then you're just hand placing it where it would go mm-hmm. or where you want it to go. Um, and then you got to kind of just rough it up again to kind of cover it back up uh, as stuff starts to germinate and as it gets a little bit bigger. You still got to go in to manage. And yeah. and some people um, even recommend just that that first year stuff germinating, just keep it mowed six to eight inches. Um, don't let anything get bigger. That'll help with your weed suppression. A lot of these are annual weeds, so once you knock them back, they're gone. Um, and your native stuff that is uh, perennial is going to be able to come up through it. So you got to manage that some way, or you just go through and say, "Oh, this is a good thing. I want to keep it." And if you're good at plant ID, you yeah. can do this part. Yeah. Especially young plant ID, and you leave it if it's bad. You're pulling it, and you can kind of go through by hand. Again, that really only works on smaller sites where you can really be attentive to it and you know your plants yeah. really well.
0: So once once you're there, now we can talk about plant selections a little mm-hmm. bit. So uh, Lori specifically, um, it's important to select for your condition uh, shallow-rooted plants that thrive, thrive in dry conditions so they don't grow deep looking for water into your, your septic system. So um, good recommendations, eastern bottle brush grass. which is a really cool yeah grass yeah it's
1: it's just an awesome seed head uh
0: and blue gamma are good now i know you want a profusion of flowers but uh black-eyed susan common yarrow uh which i've 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 seen in growing naturally Mm. in sourlands um and uh canadian goldenrod are good choices so Make sure uh, dry conditions, shallow rooted. You don't want something deep. Like um, the problem is most upland plants or or grasses, say like little blue stem, very mm-hmm. deep rooted. They're 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 native in poor soil conditions and dry conditions, so those roots go deep looking for water. You need to find something that that has a more shallow root system. So uh, hoary verbena, New England aster, they're good. Uh, definitely throw those in. So I think between that we answered both questions yeah i think i would say so wow
1: and again i hate answering
0: (laughs) that's a tough one you know that's yeah that's one that we've seen uh people that we respect highly in this industry Mm -hmm. get lambasted for on on social media so Mm -hmm. one of the you know the the largest seed producers in the country uh get get shamed yeah yeah. (laughs) so (laughs) you know it's it's a tough it's a tough topic to approach at any Mm. we we it's
1: it's important to to factor that a lot of these herbicides are tools and like if you're using a hammer you're not going to use a hammer to try and cut through a piece of wood if you aren't using these things properly you're exposing not just yourself but the environment to more risk so a lot of these professionals, I don't want to say all, I'm sure there's some professionals that aren't, but a lot of these professionals, especially the ones that are in the restoration field, they know what these chemicals do. They minimize how much they're using them when they're using them, they're using them properly. Um, and they can use them like a tool and maybe it, it isn't the perfect tool, but it's probably a better option than putting down acres and acres of plastic just between the cost. And then what happens to that plastic when you're done? Exactly. Um yeah, there's. It's a. It's a tough. That's what, a, like I said, a, a why tough, I don't like to yeah. answer it. Is because a lot of times, just when you bring it up, people say, "Oh, this person's a wackadoo." Yes. And I don't want to listen to them because they're, of, the devil from Monsanto. And we, we might lose <laughs> listeners over this. Yeah.
0: We might. But uh, hopefully not. Yeah. So, um, so I think that we we have another new segment. I think mm-hmm. that ends ends questions um what i love most about i love that we have a new segment what i love most about this next segment is that it's competitive yes that's that's so i need some redemption after losing the native plant uh (laughs) tournament bracket we had in the spring which i still haven't we we had planned i was going to have to eat something cooked out of a native plant we were going to have guests yeah, in we but want to have it with other people
1: which i'm still i'm still going to cook you something okay. maybe i'll cook some of those sumac oh there so like we go. Use sumac <laughs> spice but i'm not going to look up if it's okay <laughs> <laughs> all right that's
0: fair that's fair so why don't, do you want to yeah. explain because tom had this idea so yeah
1: yeah so just just through facebook and linkedin uh, we're always seeing these really cool news stories that come up and um and I always thought, oh, this would be a great thing to work in because they're current. Yeah. Uh, there are things that are going on right now. And um, and we really want to share them with you guys because you might not know that this is going on sometimes in your backyard, sometimes it's in high-profile places where they're using native plants. And, uh, and it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Or they're right. doing uh, <laughs> habitat restoration or just things that revolve around that ecology world. And there's some really interesting things going on. But we can't necessarily work it into. Although Maybe I try. Who's our guest? Yeah, we you know can't that always work week. it into who's the guest. So we figured, hey, why not do it on the buzz? Yeah. So, um, being men, we had to make it competitive. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what we did is we both picked a news story. Yes. Um, I actually picked multiple because we don't know what the other one picked. Okay. Well, and, I only picked one. and so. I didn't want Fran to have picked mine, so I picked another one as right. a backup. Because if we both pick the same one, then how do we of us yeah, win? True. That's true. So, uh, and we can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> there has
0: to be a win. There can be only one. Yeah,
1: yeah. only one of us <laughs> can win. And that's actually where you guys come in, is we want the listeners at home, when we're posting this, we're actually going to post it as a poll in our group, um, we want you guys to vote on who brought the better, more compelling uh, story, and there's probably a lot of uh, theatrics and and who was able to present this story better. Oh, I'm totally unprepared.
0: <laughs> I have a good story, but I'm totally unprepared. So, if it's based on on presentation, so yeah, when you're, when you're we put win. this
1: poll up after this uh, this episode post, we're gonna put a poll up. You, we want you to vote on who had the better story and share your thoughts on what what the story was. And maybe it's something in your backyard or something you're passionate about, and you can go and look into this um, these things a little bit further and help make them happen
0: what's nice on this is there's no loser but there's definitely a winner
1: yes yeah (laughs) there may not be a loser (laughs) but there's definitely a winner so so with that i say let's kick off this or that this or that that. all right do you would you Uh, like to go first i think we should flip something all right i'm gonna flip this do you want to be the red side or the white side uh you know what? As I'm I'll, flipping a a like tape dispenser. I'll, I'll take
0: I'll take red side.
1: Okay. It was the white side. All right. You get you you can choose. To I'm to go make or you defer? go first. All yeah. right. I want to know what I'm up against.
0: All right. So, uh, the article that I chose, and of course it's not showing up now. I had it all all prepped. All right. So the name of the article is "Trees Bring Benefits to Society Regardless of Their Origin." Have you seen this one? I haven't. So this is a study out of the University of Geneva uh, in uh, coordination with uh, the Botanical Gardens and Conservatory of the city of Geneva.
1: So this is from Switzerland. Yes. What have the Swiss ever done for us? No, but
0: it's – so I'm (laughs) going to give you the summary of the scientific study. So the trees planted in urban spaces provide a multitude of ecosystem and social services. At the same time, trees can be a source of inconvenience scientists have analyzed trees and found in the geneva region and systematically assessed the services and inconveniences they generate they show that most tree species are non-native and the trees provide roughly the same ecosystem services to geneva's urban spaces regardless of their origin Mm -hmm. so their whole thing was based in an urban society because the urban nature of it keeps plants and and they do go on to conclude that you have to not include invasives because invasives Mm -hmm. are invasives but in an urban setting because you're not really always going for wildlife habitat Mm -hmm. or pollinator uh, habitat that they're forming the same ecosystem functions and if something tends to be aggressive because it's in an urban nature it keeps that plant in check they're Mm -hmm. not allowed to get out of control because of Mm -hmm. where they're at so they're finding in the city settings at least for there they're saying it doesn't have to be native, mm-hmm. which I found was interesting because we're here preaching native plants and their scientific studies showing, meh, maybe yeah. it doesn't need to and be.
1: I actually somewhat agree with that. Yeah. Maybe if I re- read it, I'd completely agree with it yeah. because you get into those, and this is actually something we're going to talk about in a couple episodes when we talk to, mm-hmm. to Claudia West. Um, when you get into those super urban uh, environments we've already changed the ecosystem so drastically that it it's no longer what it was you can't so, and you can't go back yeah. at this point yeah so and, and I, you always bring up a um a point about the street trees was in chicago yeah. and how they only have a lifespan of you and know better than it I do. was
0: in new york city and Philadelphia, the average life of a street tree is seven years. Yeah. In Washington, D.C., it was six years. In Chicago, it was only four years yeah. uh, based on the the lake effect. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have a chance to evolve and adapt. Yeah. They just right. have to be urban tolerant now mm-hmm. uh, for a chance to survival. Seven years is not – if you think of – you're trying to build uh, a natural in- infrastructure mm-hmm. that keeps – Turning over every seven years, six to seven years—that's crazy. So yeah. I can understand yeah. the need to to prolong that.
1: Mm-hmm. In, a, in our last episode, we talked about um, population dynamics and how it's not the every 100 of the population is going to survive. Yeah. Well, this is a situation where there aren't really a population; they're all individuals in a lot of cases, especially with street trees. It's even though there might be street trees all along the way. Mm-hmm. It's not like it is in nature where those are interacting in some yeah. way. They might have minor interactions, but not like it would in a forest system. Yeah, you're
0: not getting the butterflies or maybe, you know, the wildlife, but you're not really getting them in the middle of the city yeah. anyway. Yeah. But they are providing uh, – they're attenuating urban heat islands, reducing uh, uh, airborne pollution. Mm-hmm. That they're They're providing that service where maybe a native tree can't – they're not adapted to that already. Mm-hmm. So – Right. Maybe over time they can adapt to that, but as of right now that's not their yeah. it's it's a it's a non native condition. And, and Rick Salah talks about that. You mm-hmm. have these cities that are a non native culture, so to try to introduce trees into that is is yeah. very difficult. Yep. You'd have to totally abandon it and let it go back to nature to mm-hmm. to do that.
1: So So that's my article. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought that I'm was I'm proud of you. <laughs> You've you got something good. <laughs> So.
0: I did it pretty quick, too. Yeah. You were worried because oh, yeah. I found... Tom introduced this segment to me and I found the article within yeah. two minutes. I think I
1: introduced it on, like, what? A Monday? No, is it, yeah. it was like Saturday night. It popped in my head. I'm like, oh, we should try this. And then we worked it out a little bit and then and we then decided I was like, we were oh, going to do it. <laughs> well, honestly,
0: yesterday Tom was like... Do you have your article? I was like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then.
1: I'd only look mine up. Oh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Mine's only two days old, but I actually saw someone post it on Facebook. It was someone I didn't think would post this on Facebook, but um, mine was from NPR.com. Okay. Uh, and it was, like I said, it was actually posted on the 21st. So I guess that's nine days ago from when you'd listen to this. But, um, and it was landscape architects unveil plans to save the national mall's tidal basin. and. Oh. uh I've The last couple of years, my wife and I have been talking about, hey, we want to go down and and, uh, see the Cherry Blossoms and go to the Cherry Blossom Festival. I'm not as much interested because they're Japanese cherries, but whatever. It's something that you're supposed to do, and we're so close to D.C., and we never go. Um, We want to make a trip about this, and then we were going to do it this year. Well, coronavirus, put a stop to that. Um, But anyway... I guess this whole the National Mall was created in 1880, so 130 years ago. And in today's structure, especially when they bring in so many people for this festival, the pathways are just too narrow for all the people. We have people walking up on the grass. They're trampling on tree roots and kind of destroying some of the, the, I don't want to call it habitat, but the landscape there. Um, The other issue is there's so much tidal flooding um, that they're already having parts of the... um, Of the national mall where paths are under a few feet of water at high tide and uh then on top of that they were saying i think by 2040 that the jefferson monument would be under like four feet of water at high tide really like not under but would have four feet of water on it and then i think the martin luther king water or monument would be under like six feet of water by 2070. so there's all this flooding happening well you go back to 1880 when they built this if you were to look at the maps they actually filled in the Potomac River and built this tidal basin to handle Mm -hmm. the flooding and rerouted the Potomac River to build the National Mall. So this is kind of nature kind of reverting, saying, hey, this is where we want the water to be. Yeah. And um, so they've put this out. They formed a coalition uh, between the National Trust for Historic Preservation, Trust for the National Mall, and the National Park Service. And they created the Tidal Basin's Ideas Lab. They've started working with all these landscape architects on, hey, what do we do here? And they've started to get a lot of feedback. And it ranges from, hey, we should kind of work with the flooding and take tiny steps to deal with little portions at a time, to uh, one architect said, hey, we should let nature take its course. Let's build an overarching um, pathway that kind of goes over this and let it all turn into ruins and let nature kind of take over. <laughs> And uh, I like that idea. There's actually. another architect who said, "Let's make it a, a swamp. It's supposed yeah. to be a wetland. Make it a wetland, and make it interactive with the wetland." Um, and they even proposed ideas of you have these monuments already. Well, why not create some some monuments or, or things of the sort to the history of that region and incorporate uh, aspects of of what happened in slavery and have a mm-hmm. monument to to the slaves that probably lived in that area at some point. Yeah. So it was a uh, and and just incorporating some of the um less prestigious parts of history that we still want to remember so that we don't make those mistakes again and it's it's a pretty cool thing i'd, I'd yeah. love to see it become a wetland uh it incorporates, incorporates the natural history with the the history of man on the land and then our national history as well it would be pretty pretty cool so Uh, that's a great article that
0: really isn't and dc their water situation isn't a great situation Mm -hmm. they're very proactive in trying to get people to to use rain barrels or or plant water uh rain gardens in their property because it's their aqueduct system is is pretty pretty old so no that's two great stories yeah so now it's up to you guys it's it's up to you and, Of course, the choice is yours. <laughs> so we we were gonna keep this quick, Tom, and we're we did not we're yeah. we're over forty five minutes. Okay, so we should probably wrap this <laughs> up. Yeah, maybe
1: our plan to keep these short isn't isn't in the cards. Uh, no, between no. the two of us, we both like to talk. We so.
0: do. Yeah, that, I don't think that's happening.
1: <laughs> so anyway, we want to thank you guys again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening about. Um, some of the websites our listeners chimed in with, uh, questions that we got from our listeners. Mm -hmm. If they called in, not online. Not online. Maybe we'll answer them online, but probably not. All right, We'll see. It's not for free.
0: Here's the response. If if you left your question, if you wrote it online, this is your response. (laughs) (laughs) But if if you called the the question and answer line.
1: (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So, guys go vote on those news stories that's a, a this or that uh segment is something yep. we had a lot of fun with and we hope to keep doing so go vote and let us know who you thought did a better job
0: yeah so uh we would love to give a big uh shout out to steven marr for contributing our theme music did we make a decision do you want to open up for episode we all right yeah. so for the buzz if you would like to contribute new theme music uh that will be um highlight during any episode of the native plants healthy planet podcast where it's a buzz edition uh you can submit that to directly to us via email at info at native before i forget kathy who called and left a question from princeton we need your address yeah. If you could yep. email us at that uh email address we will get you uh, a set of five seed packets as well um Please follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery. You can follow us on Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. We now have the question and answer line that you, some of you are now starting to use. If someone else has a question and you'd love to call, we still have two more sets of seed packets mm-hmm. to give out. The number is 215-346-6189. Again, 215-346-6189 don't leave your phone number on the message. (laughs) Um, Ask us a question or leave us a comment. If we pick your question or comment, we'll play it on a future episode of The Buzz, and we'll answer that question for you. So, And and don't forget the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Uh, You guys have been great. Let's keep the conversation going over there.
1: You can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Still waiting on more five-star reviews. We love yes, them. It, them it makes us feel really good and lets us know we're doing things in the right right way. Whenever
0: you're doing something creative, it's always nice to get feedback that people at least are listening or mm-hmm. enjoying what
1: you're doing. So don't leave us out there on an island. Let us know what you yeah. think. You can also listen on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast. Even ask Alexa, just like I do when I go home, to play the Native Plants Healthy Plant. Native Plants, Healthy Planet Pocket. Oh, I was getting, I so thought close. I was smooth there. It's been a while. There hasn't, <laughs>
0: yeah. I messed up the beginning, but what no one heard was me coughing at the beginning <laughs> yeah. halfway through my opening.
1: But but that wraps it up. Thanks, uh, man, now we're off.
0: <laughs> we're, Thanks we're everyone, I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thanks again. We will see you again next time. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.